Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. There's been uncertainty in the markets as the world deals with the coronavirus. And where there's uncertainty, there are questions. Today, Chris Tennant-Brown and Chris Wilson from ASB join me to talk about the market impact, what our customers are asking, and what advice we're giving. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Hey, welcome to uh, the booth. I've got now. It's going to be a bit confusing. I've got two uh, Christophers with us today. I've got Chris Tennant Brown, welcome, and uh, Chris Wilson. And Chris, you've been in the booth before. It's quite a while ago, though. Yeah, right? it has been a wee while since I've been in, so it's good to be back. Yeah, and you run some of our wealth managers at ASB, so it's awesome to have you back in the booth. And uh, looking forward to our conversation. Now, there's so much going on at the moment, and we thought it would be uh, an opportune time to get you back in, Chris, and. Actually, I'm going to go Chris Advice, Chris Economist, so you know who I'm who I'm talking about. Uh, but there's there's so much going on, and it's like we thought, you know, let's get together and just start talking about what are actually what's going on and get some um, perspectives from both of you. But Chris, if I go back maybe two weeks, I think we were chatting in the booth and we talked about coronavirus, and it was going to be sort of uh, it was going to be a bit of a big deal, but maybe governments would get involved and and sort it all out. But Two weeks later, like what's changed? What's what's going on? Yeah, that's a really good question. And mid February, we we thought, hey, this is going to be something that's going to really flatten activity in the first quarter for New Zealand. We thought that the economy would actually risk contracting slightly, um, but we'd see a bounce back in activity in the uh, in the second and third quarter. And so we were preparing for that sort of short, sharp shock, and and it was clearly going to impact uh, things like airlines. But now we're moving into a scenario where it looks like it's going to be a much longer sort of impact. Um, at that time, it wasn't some uh, crazy theory that that we had in our economics team. That was the general thinking. The Reserve Bank met in February. They held the official cash rate. They were aware of the coronavirus, and they were incorporating a a hit to first quarter economic growth as well. But we really felt like it was a it was a government sort of thing to respond to, that fiscal response, um, supporting people that were losing their jobs, uh, looking at how to help industries that were getting really impacted was the was the appropriate response. And the, and the big thing that we were thinking then was this is an event which is impacting China and impacting global supply and global global tourism. The big change was when we started to get these big outbreaks out of China. Now, the, in the Hubei region, it looks like it's been contained, and their number of new cases each day is dropping off drastically. But that news has been replaced by how quickly is it spreading in places like Italy, Iran, South Korea. And of course, for us here, we're, we've had our cases here now too. So it shifts from something that we're thinking about, how does this impact global supply chains and industries to people having outright fear of how might this impact me because they can see it happening uh, in, in, in our economy and in other economies that are similar to, to ours or places that we visit like Italy. Because you're right because like it was started in China and oh, it's, maybe it's gonna, there's going to be hit production there, factories are closing, oh my word that's gonna, that might uh, have knock-on effects but actually China have done a awesome job at uh, containing and actually factories are open up and starting production again. 
That's right. And one encouraging thing is that's exactly what's happening. Factories are going back to work. There's still a lot of disruption. There's a lot of global capacity and freight, for example, that's been lost because of less airlines flying around, ships being quarantined and, and so forth. But production will pick back up in, in, in China over the, over the coming weeks and months. The, um, the bit which is new is it flowing on to, to other economies and, and the bigger disruptions that that's going, to, uh, that's going to play. And now we've seen some central banks making some decisions. So what, what are the central banks trying to do and is it the right strategy that they're, they're applying? Well, it's interesting. I think when, when, markets, when share markets really started to worry about it, because share markets were at all-time high in mid-February as well, they were ha- sharing a similar view to ours. Um, but it's like the penny dropped that this was going to be the, the medium to long-term scenario, not the short-term shock uh, that we were all thinking um, all around the same time. The US Federal Reserve takes it uh, really seriously. They cut by half a percent between meetings. The Reserve Bank of Australia has a meeting on the first Tuesday of every month. They cut by a quarter of a percent and the Bank of Canada cut by half a percent as well. So it's not like um, rate cuts are going to have any effect on public health. But when you've got these big economic uncertainties, just like we saw in the um, global financial crisis, for example, we know that by loosening monetary policy and increasing government spending, you can really cushion the blow. So this is the the path that the big central banks look like they're going to go down. Fantastic. And Chris, uh, being very sort of customer-facing, f- uh, a lot of uncertainty, and I'm sure questions coming from, from customers. What are sort of the typical questions that you're hearing or your team are hearing? Yeah, and there's a lot at the moment, and we, we certainly understand why people are uncertain and, and a little bit afraid at the moment, because yep. it is a it is a scenario which, you know, we haven't had a COVID outbreak before. Um, you know, we've had other, other events in the past, but this is something that's a little bit different. From our side, you know, that raises questions for people around, you know, am I in the right fund? Should I continue to invest? Should I move to cash? Um, but actually for us, we're always trying to bring people back to what's the original purpose of their investment, what's that long-term objective they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, we totally understand right now there's some fear in the market yeah. um, and people are worried about that. Um, but, you know, from us, we always also want to maintain some perspective as well because actually, you know, if you look at the markets and look at the markets even since December, you know, this is a pullback off recent highs as well. Um, and, you know, you do need to give that context to, to people about how things are performing. That's a really good point. So if I'd been invested for a year then I've seen markets come back and some days it's 3% and 5% and then back up 5%. Actually, what, what sort of, that's quite an interesting perspective that people maybe aren't, aren't thinking about or seeing. Chris, is what, what do you see in the numbers? Yeah, I think one of the things we do when we go how much of markets fall and we always consider from the peak rather than that sort of thing of, well, how much are they, how much have they gone up by over the past three years? And... Um, even on a day-by-day basis, these sorts of numbers uh, change quite a bit. But our um, our funds, for example, and the underlying share market indices that we invest in, um, or share markets that we invest in, are, um, have climbed back quite a bit since the the worst of the, the the panic, and they're all significantly up on 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 year ago levels. But at one stage, if we looked at the New Zealand market, it was down nearly ten percent. The US was more like down fifteen percent. Uh, but we had a day in the US where the share market bounced back five percent in a in a single session. Our markets are, are very volatile, but that works in both directions at at times like this. And um, but if you compare where we're at now 
compared to a year ago, um, markets are still significantly higher. And you've seen, similarly, seen customers have different kinds of questions around that? Chris? Yeah, oh. absolutely. And it, it comes to a really important point around you know people trying to time these events. And um, you know, as we saw last week, we had a number of people who were looking to exit their funds or, or move into cash to try avoid some of that market volatility. You know, The challenge with that is they probably didn't know that Monday, Tuesday and the start of this week was actually some really strong market performance. And so it's really hard for anyone to time those market corrections. And when we look at how we actually manage money for you know, all our investors, that's not something we're trying to do on a short-term yeah. basis. You know, we are trying to make those decisions with a um, you know, medium-term outlook because we think that's the best thing for our customers. So we advise that to our customers as well. Yeah, look, I've been asked a lot of questions in the last week from customers, and uh, the number one question, I suppose, after is like, you know, what should I do? Is like, what are we doing? And um, to me, that's actually the thing when you go back to like first principles of actually how you invest money. These again, I think I've said this before, but these are the times where actually your discipline on your in your investment process becomes really key because we shouldn't be making rash decisions based on what's happening in a, in a week on a share market. So we stick to our quarterly asset allocation review by um, our consultants who will obviously run numbers around is this going to have an impact on global growth and what's that going to mean for asset classes over the uh, the medium term now if that suggests that they need to change their forecast then that will mean asset allocation changes but the process will be the process and will make those decisions rather than markets have dropped five ten percent we need to move to cash because actually as you say Chris the when's the right time to get back in you're never going to know when the right time will be the day after the market goes uh, goes back up hey well and and even if you thought hey there's some events that should logically lead to people being more happy um, or more comfortable that policymakers be at the government or central banks are making the right decisions they're not always an accurate predictor either for example when the Fed cut I think ultimately that will underwrite economic growth. Lower interest rates do help when economies are facing challenges. But the share market dropped that day. Super Tuesday, I just think that's highlighting all the political uncertainty and arguments in the US. Share markets went up that day. And on a day-by-day basis, uh, I think one of the things that I've got better at, uh, as I've got older, is saying, I cannot predict what's going to happen on a day-by-day basis, which then in turn feeds into that investment belief that where we add a lot of value is over the long-term decisions we make. Not the day-to-day decisions, because markets are just so choppy on a day-to-day basis. Because I think, because if you move to cash, you're going to get a like a lower rate now, even as well. Yes, you'll get certainty that your money's actually the value is going to stay the same, but you're going to miss out on what you were trying to achieve over the medium to long term. So, completely appreciate that it's it's unnerving, but it is going back to why did you make this decision? What were you trying to achieve? Has something changed in what you're trying to achieve? If it has, then let's relook at it. But I think this is where advisors and getting the facts and speaking to people can really can really help. Yeah, it, it is, and it, it's a good flow actually to the other big question we're getting at the moment around well is this time different? So, you know, have we actually seen something like this before? And, you know, I think that's where the context becomes really important as well because, you know, fortunately we have had experiences not exactly the same but similar over the last few years. And so, you know, that context is really important for investors to just maintain. So I totally understand if you've entered the market at the end of February, that's not a great experience. It's a it's a tough start, but you've got to maintain context of actually if you've been invested for a few years, you've actually had a few of these experiences, but you forget about them. Yeah. Um, they yeah. do they do pass. That's a really valid point, Hank. Mm. Oh, yeah, and, and you know that we're, we're we're both uh, having our fiftieths this year, and um, 
Yeah, apart from the party, there's not much I like about being 50 compared to being 40 or, or 30. Um, but the plus, uh, having been in financial markets for a long, long time, is I actually go back and read the reports I wrote in similar sorts of circumstances about these events in, in, the, in the past. And the, and the reality is, at the time, we always feel like it's different. And for example, when markets were really struggling in the early 2000s, it was the first time we'd seen terrorists crashing planes into buildings. SARS came after that. We'd had the dot-com meltdown, and we were thinking, oh, this really is different. Markets are really overstretched, and there's this new thing going on, terrorism, and we were worried about a war in Iraq. It just seemed that there was a wall of worry back then. And now it felt the same in the in the fourth quarter of 2018. We had Trump shutting down the government. We had what seemed like the world's worst period of global cooperation with that US-China trade tensions. And the Fed was trying to raise rates. There just seemed like so many things that could derail markets. And, and that felt like, hey, Trump's something new. We've never seen anything like this before. Maybe this is going to be different. It's always feels like that at the time. But this is going to carry on though, isn't it? We're not, we, we can't sit here today and say, oh, in a couple of weeks, it'll all, be, it'll all be sweet. This is going to be around for a while. It's going to have volatility in markets and uncertainty. It's not, it's not going to go away, is it? Well, I, I think it's likely that we get a similar thing to what we've seen in the past and that the worries come in waves and the recoveries come in quite big surprises. I mean, I didn't come to work thinking markets were going to be up 5% the other day. Um, and likewise, I'm prepared that when we get an outbreak, say, in the States, uh, markets will be really, really negative and, and heavy. And if that wasn't to happen, maybe we'll be really negative and heavy just purely based on the run into the US election and the politics, or maybe there's another flare-up in the trade situation. But the actual economic impact of this is going to keep... Um, impacting the data for, for the coming months. And I think the, what's looking likely now is that we're, we're going to see clusters of the COVID-19 impacting economies around the world to varying degrees and, and contributing to both changes in economic activity and also changes in sentiment about how um, share markets are going to go. So in other words, I'm, I'm prepared to see more volatility in both directions over the, over the coming months. There is a, and we've talked about this many times but there is quite a lot of uh, if you look at the media some of the fear factor that is being portrayed like i was reading the front page of the daily mail app which is my my go-to in a, in a morning is like they in capital letters people will die like it just it doesn't i don't know what the what they're trying to achieve by that and then we hear share markets crashing all over the world but you know and it, it does sound boring but most people who are invested in sort of Kiwi Saver or portfolios, they have their money spread across lots of different asset classes, and no one's talking about actually what's happening in your portfolio around your fixed interest, for example, which is actually probably doing quite well for you at the moment, I would have thought. Yeah, and, and uh, I think the other frustrating thing with headlines like that is that thousands of people die every year from curable diseases, let alone ones like this that are a mystery and a, and a, and a shock. Um, and and so it, it might sell newspapers and be really sensational, but it, it doesn't actually help. And even just the common flu that hits us all from time to time kills hundreds of thousands of people every year. And yet we don't have sensational headlines about that. And and so that does contribute to the fear factor. And 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 you know in in this instance, I think 
if you actually look at what the governments are saying, what the World Health Organization is saying, it's some pretty basic sound advice. On the whole, people need to get on with it. They need to be very cautious about hygiene, as, as we always do. But it's the basic advice that you'd get to try and avoid catching a cold, getting influenza and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that context, and you, you raised a really good example of just the common seasonal flu, and I think we all remember bird flu a few years ago, and that's a really good example of something that you know they tried to control and they tried to contain, um, effectively weren't able to, and it's now just a, a standard part of the annual flu season each year. So, you know, it's something that we've seen somewhat similarly, and you know, again, it's a slightly different virus and has a different impact, but something that was a huge issue at the time, um, given the, the scope of time and actually then um, de-stress, but that a, could be some time away. A, the thing that I've learned from this whole experience so far is that um, um, I was at a, a lunch in on Friday in Hawke's Bay and there was this awesome Kiwi guy who's got this toy company in uh, China with his brother and sister and uh, does nappies as well. Just incredible to listen to. But he was talking about, like obviously their factories in China basically stopped um, and there was no production, and they shut down cities and all, all sorts of things. And now they're back up and running, and everything's as it was before. But they seem to have that ability to do do that. We don't have the ability in New Zealand or in America to just shut major cities down. So it's gonna it's gonna spread. It's gonna be different. And uh, I think the World Health Authority are recognising that. But some do some basic things is probably gonna is probably gonna help, isn't it? The whole situation. One of the things which um, yeah, having said um, you know. Bad news might sell newspapers, but it's sometimes not helpful. People ask me, well, what do you actually read? And I think a really useful thing to read is um, some of the logistics companies uh, are putting out fantastic insights into what's going on on the ground in China. And the most recent ones are showing that uh, factories are really getting back to work. And they point out some of the, uh, the secondary impacts of all of this sort of stuff. And to your point, I think the response that we've seen there is really difficult to imagine in areas like Europe. And New Zealand's a little bit different because we live on an island, so that gives us some you know, natural controls over travel, but you think of how easy it is to travel from Italy to, uh, to France or Switzerland or anything like that. It's going to be much harder to contain the situation there, but everyone's, I think, moving beyond the containment and into the, well, let's get ready for it and make sure that when we do have a, a flu season this winter, if it's COVID-19, we need to be more prepared because this thing is more dangerous to um, to parts of the population than, than regular. And you've been consistent, Chris, about you know when the you know, global growth is not great or environment's changing, companies will react. And we're seeing that already, like Air New Zealand Absolutely. coming out with their $9 flights. You look at um, what um, uh, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, and you know they've got a profit that is going to be bigger than last year. Like people are buying stuff that they're, they're selling. Like People are reacting differently, aren't they? That's right. And if you look at the, the, the share market um, through through February, um, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare was a, was a standout for, for posting uh, st- strong gains. Um, whereas the logistics companies, the airports, um, etc., understandably under under pressure. But they do adapt and change, and there's things that will pick up off this. Domestic travel uh, should benefit from our lack of desire to travel internationally, for example. So um, there, there will be changes and, and adaptations, and businesses do that. There's some industries that get hit really hard, and some workers in particular that get hit really hard, and that's where the government... Uh, needs to step in, and they're already doing so through um, 
the changes to the way that you claim benefit, you know, no stand down for peri- people that are impacted, for example. Those are the sorts of policies that can cushion the blow. And I'm sure we'll see more of these over the next um, next month or two, because we really are only a month into the transition from thinking what's going on overseas to actually this is going to be a really big deal for New Zealand. So what I'm hearing is this is going to be around for a while. We're going to have some uncertainty. Uh, we'll probably see some volatility in, in markets for the foreseeable future, but that's and some days it will be up and some days it will be down. But I think what you were saying, Chris, Chris' advice would be around sort of, you know, thinking back about why you invested the money, what was your goal, have a, maybe a perspective of if you've been in the markets for a while, you're just coming off like a really big high and actually like you've just given back some performance, but you know, maybe different for new investors and, and, and support there, which is all great and, and really helpful. So thank you. But Chris, I suppose, last point to you on what are you going to be doing over the next couple of weeks looking at and thinking about help go forward? Well, the thing I do is, as someone that has to write about this stuff and connect with people and their goals is look back at times and think, well, how did we feel at other periods when the markets had really lost some value? And and then how did we feel over the subsequent year after that? So 2018 is the best recent example. And for me, like I'm really stoked that I encourage people to say, hey, the will solve these problems and then 2019 turned out to be a great year for investments. I remind myself of that because I like everyone else gets pretty nervous when I see markets falling and 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 so much um, bad news. But to keep a grip on the fact that the world will march on, I, I I really like reading those logistic reports. I read the the World Health Organization stuff to see well what advice are they giving for me as a as yeah. a person, um, but also what's actually happening with this. So there's some encouraging signs within the daily data releases about the containment of the um, of the problems in various regions. So that's the sort of stuff that I'm looking at, but also the high frequency economic data, the stuff that comes out each month that predicts what's happening looking forward. So things like business confidence, manufacturing indexes and that sort of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that we can look at to try and be encouraged that the world will march on like it usually does. And we'll probably, there will be this undercurrent as well around US presidential elections and what's going on with Joe Biden and uh, that's oh, going to be topical as well, surely. That's right. And, and we've got our own election as well. This will, this the government's response uh, both here and in the US will be a flavour for, um, for the early months of those campaigns that will... Um, surely be the um, the big focus later on in the year. Thank you very much. Been awesome for your insights, both of you, Chris. Chris Advice and Chris uh, Economist. Thanks very much for that. And uh, always just like really appreciate you just speaking in a way that's really clear and understanding and help uh, helping our customers with their investment decisions and choices. So thanks again. Thanks, JB. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz.